Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about developing an attitude of gratitude uh, this, this coming year. You know, it's so easy to go through life and through year after year, day after day, mumbling and grumbling. And I think many of us have developed that kind of uh, uh, attitude, a grumbling attitude. And, and you know, it's not fitting for Christians. It's not really something that we should be known uh, about or known for. Uh, and, and some of us have managed to hide our, our, our grumbling and our complaining very well. We sort of uh, you know, presented as prayer requests and, and, and those kind of stuff. You know? so, uh, but unfortunately, uh, even as Christians, many of us are characterized by this. And I know what you're thinking. Rulof, what the heck is that T-shirt? Let me just correct this issue. Okay? I'm not going to tell you until sort of at the end of my sermon. So chill and stop trying to work out what it means. All right, I'm coming there. I do want to tell you something that, that uh, my wife said and, and uh, somebody said to me and my wife said it as well. This church is not, not really fitting for ladies. So uh, just keep your hands off my, uh, off my eyes. That's all I want to tell you this morning. Okay, so let's, let's move on. And now that you know what, I'll, I'll tell you later what the t-shirt is. It's my own design, but the eyes are not my design that I downloaded from somewhere with permission. Good. So grumbling, many of us are characterized by grumbling, moaning, and negativities, and so on. And as Christians, we've just got so much to be thankful for. And so I thought, let me, let me start on this, and I'm going to hammer a little bit on the, some of the negative stuff this morning, and then hopefully end on a more positive way as well. But, but Philippians chapter 2, let's turn there quickly, and I'm going to read a, just one verse, and I'm coming back, back to that passage a little bit later as well. There it is on the board, but turn with me to that passage. It says, do all things. I've underlined it, I've highlighted it, I should have put a different kind there as well, maybe. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Those of us who really want to know what the actual word all means, I will explain it to you. All means all. That's what exactly what it means. So I, mean, I, I know you wanted to go deep, so I, I just thought I'll take you deep. That's what the word means. In everything, all, in everything. So do all things without grumbling and disputing. Uh, so just in case you wondered, Leon, that means when you go to work, that means when it drives in the traffic, that means about your wife and your children and your family, about your finances, do all things, that means whatever, this country, whatever it is, do all things, that's how we should be characterized as Christians, and not the one who leave, leading the band of grumblings and negativities uh, forward as well. John chapter 6 verse 43, Jesus says this, do not grumble among yourselves. So, uh, uh, you know, he addressed among yourselves. That means as, as believers, as Christians, as the believing community, as we have habits, we have pockets of people who continuously grumble. If it's not about their church, it's about their country, it's about, air, it's about the traffic, it's about your boss, it's about your, your wife and your children and so on. And, and, and Jesus says, don't grumble among yourselves. Because, you know, when we grumble among ourselves, what I'm actually looking for is an audience, I want somebody to agree with me and say, yeah, no, you're right. And then take me on in my grumbling attitude. And then in Numbers, and I've read this before, and this, this is actually quite a tough one to handle. Numbers 14, 27, it says, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I've heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Now, can you hear what God is saying there? God is taking issue with people who are grumbling. Because in, and you'll, I'll, I'll mention it later, 
is they were actually complaining against Moses. And they were saying to Moses, Moses, why the heck did you take us out of Egypt? And God is saying, hey, 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 you're not complaining against Moses, your spiritual leader. You are complaining against me and I have issue with you. And God is, is offended by it. He says, I, how long must I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? And I'll come maybe back to that in a moment. And uh, I think two weeks ago I read this 1 Corinthians 10.10. Do not grumble as some of them did in the desert and were destroyed by the destroying angel. So God takes grumbling harshly. He doesn't like it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 10. I've just read it. James chapter 5 verse 9. And do not complain, brethren, against one another. See, if you're busy doing with that, God is very, very straight down the line with it and said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't complain against one another so that you yourself may not be judged. Come back to this one later as well. The judge is standing at the door. Let's go to that passage in Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 12 to 16. It says, do everything without grumbling. That's the heading in my Bible. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So by the way, what is so encouraging is Paul is saying, you know what? It is easy to obey when the master is at home, when the, when, when the boss is there, when the, when, when the father is there, you, you will obey. He says, what is encouraging me so much is that even in my absence, in other words, you are doing this stuff on your own. And sometimes people behave very differently when the pastors are around. Paul says, no, that's not, that's not real faith then. A faith that is transformed, even when nobody is watching, you're doing the right thing. And he says, that encourages me. So continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And then he comes to the verse I've read, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless. Why must we not do it? So that you may become blameless and, pu and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And secondly, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Why should we not grumbling? God is telling us, first of all, because it affects your relationship with God. In other words, so that you may become blameless and pure. Your relationship with God is affected. Secondly, so that you may shine like lights among people in a crooked and depraved generation. So that's why... Ephesians tell us, Philippians tell us not to grumble. You see, to grumble or to complain means that we express dissatisfaction, annoyance, resentment, discontentment, displeasure with something that is wrong or not satisfactory. Does it mean that a Christian can never say when they disagree, when they're not satisfied? I don't think that means that. Complaining is something very different. And you'll pick up what I mean, or grumbling is very different. Og Mandino says this, do not listen to those who weep and complain, for their disease is contagious. My friends, there, it, it is. It's like a cancer. If Stuart starts it quickly, Chloe will pick up and Ashley will follow and so on, so on. And it's like a, a cancer that spreads. And if you share it, somebody is going to catch the disease. 
And you'll soon have a little group around you that are the mumblers or the grumblers. And that's what this man, he says, don't listen to those who weep and complain. Not those who have genuine sorrow. This is a different context. But those who weep and complain, everything is always wrong. Don't play with them. Don't go and play with them. Because their disease is contagious. An Indian proverb says this, I had no shoes and complained until I met somebody who had no feet. There's always something to be thankful for, my friend. There's always something to be thankful for. Israel more Aivor. Forgive me, guy, if I pronounce your surname wrong, but that's, uh, that's how I read it. You know? Someone may have all technical knowledge, he says, scientific, scientific intellect and business know-how, but when he or she decides to choose laziness, excuses, procrastination, complaining, and other bad ish, uh, attitudes, he or she... Uh, their relevance is meaningless. Now, I find this quite a, a statement to make as well. In other words, if we show the bad attitudes on that under a complaining or any other bad attitude, then our relevance is meaningless. In other words, we lose our testimony in our community and among our friends as well. Eckhart Tolle says this, complaining is not to be confused with informing someone of a mistake or a deficiency so that it can be put right. And to refrain from complaining does not necessarily mean putting up with bad quality or behavior. There is ego in telling the waiter, there is no, not ego in telling the waiter that your soup is cold and needs to be heated. If you stick to the facts, which are always neutral, how dare you serve me cold soup? That's complaining. And I think if you don't get it, then I hope that you will get the difference between just airing a view. And the difference for me is basically this, that if I come to you and I highlight something that is wrong, I am ready to help you to fix it. I see that in a very positive light. But the complainers normally are doing like this. They're on the back foot pointing finger while they retreat. They're not there to help. They're there to point out a problem. And they make sure that everybody knows about their grumbling and their issues. You see, grumbling, my dear friend, is normally a state that we are in. And, and we grumble and we grumble and we don't see it and we don't acknowledge our sinful and destructive behavior. We do it and we think we're right. Why do people grumble? I highlighted a few things and I'm going to throw them. There's nine, there's probably 20, there's probably 30, there's probably 40 of them. And you can come out with a whole list of them as well. I just highlighted a few why I believe people, the reasons why they complain, why they become grumblers, is that some people do it just to get attention. They will always do it. So if something is wrong, they will grumble because they want to be acknowledged. So they, they do it for attention. Other people remove the, the responsibility from themselves. So they complain, they're pointing finger, but they're definitely not ready to help. So they remove the responsibility from themselves to make a difference by pointing finger to your mistakes and by complaining towards you. Other people inspire envy, or they think they do. So they complain, and their complaining is a sense of bragging. So they complain about their boss. In other words, what they're saying, our boss does this and that and so on. They are actually saying, I can do it better. So they think that they inspire some envy or some a wow moment when you look at them. Then there are those who complain because it's just a power thing. They just want to be in charge. They demonstrate their power. 
They like to have power over other people. So they continuously complain because they feel that they're demonstrating that. Some people complain because it's their own personal excuse for poor performance. So again, pointing finger away from myself. So I complain, I have not performed well. So I start complaining about your stuff and trying to put the focus on you and your stuff as well. That's why some people complain. Others just complain because they're plain just unhappy people. They need, really, they need a, a refreshing course in Jesus and be washed and cleansed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Other people complain because they don't like change. Oh man, we pick it up in church, we pick it up in your company, you're so excited about a change. And blah, 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 blah. Man, what dampener is that? How, how does that destroy some real oomph in you when you come with such a bright idea and you've been thinking about it and dreaming about it and as you share it, you've got these complainers and they just put cold water on it and you want to refer them to another church or another company. Jealousy. Some people complain because they're jealous. They're jealous of what you do. My, my friend, the list goes on. Some people complain because life is just not fair. So they complain about it. All right? People who complain on a consistent basis, listen to me, it's a fact, will have poor health. They will and could enter into depression. People who consistently complain, who are murmurous and complainers, will have issues at work. They won't have lack of friends or will they have friends with the same cancer that they have. But they won't have good friends around them. Their relationships is not lasting and satisfying because they continuously complain. You know what I always say is that when you look at a prune, it's, it's, it's something that is really shriveled up. And some of us are complainers and our faces look like this. It's like, it's like you know what, the Blue Bulls just can never win any game. You know? And, 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 and look, at, look, at, look at our cricketers. They, they play well in Pretoria and then they can't play in Cape Town. And, and I don't know what they're doing. I hope you're not watching it while I'm preaching. But you know, and... and and now suddenly everybody is smiling and say, that's not me. You know, I, I, I never have a face like you. But, but you know what? It, it, you know what? Complainers are just not nice people to be around, my friend. So it's better that we stop. Ask my family. When, when they start talking about an issue they're unhappy about and they, they talk more than three seconds about it, I say, okay, I've had enough. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. And it's normally the country, the government, or country that's much better. And I say, you know what, let me tell you, I am sick and tired of people telling me how bad this country is. I have a place for you in Zimbabwe, free transport there, <laughs> where the power doesn't go on for 18 hours. How many of you are from Zimbabwe? You know, we say, no power for two hours on a Sunday morning when I want to go to church and put my makeup on? 18 hours plus in Zimbabwe, am I right? You know, I think there are cables from South Africa going into Zimbabwe supplying power. That's why we, we dropped. That's just my personal view, which is not true. But, but anyway, as, as you see, people, I'm telling you, they're miserable. Complainers are miserable to be around. And yet some, they just don't see it. So ask my family. When they start complaining, I say, I'm going. I'm leaving. Ask them. It's true. It's a fact. Because I just don't like complainers. Do I not see the issues? Of course I do see the issues. You think I'm stupid or blind or doff? And don't answer that one. <laughs> All right? But you know what the sad thing is about complainers? Is they're very vocal. And we, we have a habit as believers that we vocalize 
We, we express our unhappiness, but very few of us express our happiness towards someone or something. Uh, you can bend backwards and please them. They'll never say thank you. You can preach the best sermon 10 weeks in a row and download them from sermon.com and they're excellent. And nobody comments. I don't do that. I just thought I'll throw that in. You know? and, you, and you preach these and nobody ever says, but the moment you slip up, hey, Pete, I can see you through the glass here. The mo- oh, man, the comments come. You see, because we programmed to concentrate on the negative stuff. But we don't appreciate or thank people. When last did you tell your husband, thank you? Thank you for making me tea. Thank you for washing the dishes. I always say to, to Carol, they put a list on, 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 the, on, the, on the fridge there of the stuff that I must do. And then there's a list of 10. And you know what? I do nine in an hour or two. And the one I just do tomorrow. And then the list, uh, you never. You always. I mean, you don't want to help. Uh, uh, men, come on. Uh, I'm talking a man's language here now. Hey? Am I right? You know? and, and it's the moaning about the one I didn't do. And what about... Some men are not smiling because you are under your wife's whatever. You know, I tell the, I tell the woman straight because I still run faster than her. All right, so that's the only reason why I'm so bold. You know what I would like 2020 for me to be is to be a year where I say much more thank you than pointing a finger and frowning. That's, that's how I want to start this year. I want to make this the theme of my year. Do everything without complaining and arguing. I want that to be part. I want to write that on the walls of my house, my door, and my mind, and my mirror. When I put my lipstick on, I want to tell myself, do everything without complaining and arguing. You see, we tend to forget these scriptures, conveniently so. But it seems like God is displeased when we are not grateful. It seems like he does not, He's not happy when we are not thankful. There's a difference between sharing my opinion and complaining. But let me tell you, some of us have got to ask the Holy Spirit to show me the difference. Because we are moaners and complainers. Some of us are irritated with everything. And I'm, I'm sure that's none of us here. We talk about other people outside of this church and outside of our families and companies. So we just highlight stuff because people are watching it on the internet, on YouTube and stuff. And so, but, but the list of irritations, it's amazing. It's like the list that I do at home. Nine things are down, <laughs> ten pops up again. You're going to press them down and they're up again. You're pressing down. And some people, they, they just express all the irritations and the list is just refreshed. They push the refresh button. <laughs> Another list of negatives and complaints. Oh, come on now, get, let's get over it. I'm going to give you some help, some help stuff at the end here. As we are dedicated also, folks, to share that list with everybody that's willing to listen. And you'll always find people who are willing to listen to your complaints because they're the same as you. They complain us, all right? Will you be willing to admit that you maybe have a bad attitude, a bad habit of grumbling and complaining, and only say one thing this morning is, Lord, I confess my sin to you this morning. Help me. Help me to change this. Help me to change this. I'm a grumbler. I'm a pro at this. I can rip anything and everything apart. Lord, help me to change this for your glory and your honor. So it starts with that. Confess this as sin. Because you see, it's not a harmless sport you are playing, my dear friend. It is a serious sin, grumbling and complaining. You know, Paul writes in the, uh, to, to the Corinthians, and I've read this, do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. God dislikes it. Numbers chapter, four, 
14 verse 2, the men who spied out Canaan had returned to Israel's camp and reported that the promised land had giants, knowing that they would be squashed once they entered Canaan. The people grumbled. Here we are. 40 years, God guided them, fed them, did miracle after miracle after miracle. Now God says, here's the promised land. Don't be stupid. Here's the promised land. They grumble. Because eight of the ten saw the giants, and two saw the God who's much bigger than the giants. Yes, and God, God didn't like this. He didn't like their grumbling. He just didn't like their grumbling. Because two reported badly a nation grumbled. Can you see how your grumbling can affect a company, a family, a church, and spread like wildfire, like a cancer? Be careful, because God does not like it. And you know what Moses said, and I referred to that earlier as one. He says, your grumbling is not against us, although you're pointing fingers to us, and you say, why did you lead us out of Egypt? Why didn't you leave us there? Why did you do this, Moses? Why did you do this? And they're pointing fingers to their leaders. They said, you know what? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. God takes grumbling personally. He takes it personally. Because it is a lack of trust and faith in Him as well. Many times. So how do I deal with my complaints? Let me help you out a little bit here. How do I deal with my complaints? The first most important thing is in dealing with your complaints is share your complaints with God. Now, I'm sorry I disappointed you. Because you know what God will do? Sometimes He'll just sit in heaven and not answer you back. Because you're a habitual complainer. And He sometimes looks at you and says, You know what, Jock, if you do this once more, I'll sort you out. You see, while God, listen to me, will judge me for complaining and spreading bad reports among fellows and about fellow believers. Let me repeat it. Why he will judge me for doing that. That's what the word says. He's okay when I tell him the stuff that I'm unhappy about. He's okay with that. He listens to that. The Bible is full of verses of people who actually grumbled to the right source and say, God, you know what? I'm really not happy. I, I, you know, and, and you talk to him. Because you, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to the church. Tell everybody on your Facebook page why you're unhappy. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not what we used to. It's presented to God. But that's, that's not fun, you see, because God is often silent when I pray, because he doesn't answer me back sometimes, and he's sometimes very silent in heaven there. And, and I want somebody to listen to my stuff and agree with me and go with me and help me to create a stir. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast your anxieties on him. And in a sense, this is complaining and anxiety are sort of in the same boat yet as well. Your, your anxieties, your, your complaining erodes. It's just a bad thing, and, and I need to share them with God because I need him to help me to carry it. And in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 it says this, and Jesus will come alongside me as my high priest, not criticizing, but what does the Bible says? Sympathizing with my weaknesses. So Lord, when I'm going through difficulties, I will talk to you about it because you will sympathize with me. You're not necessarily going to take my side, but you will sympathize with me in my weaknesses. He is my throne of grace. Verse 16 of Hebrews, he is my throne of grace. 
and that's where I need to go. When you're frustrated with your church leaders, and you will be because we are human beings, and I want to talk to you a little bit about, about people who are grumbling and moaning about church leaders all the time. When you're frustrated and grumbling against your church leaders, remember one thing, they will make mistakes. They, but I, but I, I, I can tell you from personal experience, they pray about their decisions. They won't always make right decisions. They don't sit in their offices planning to hurt you, planning to destroy you, planning to make your life miserable. They're trying prayerfully to do as best they can as human beings as well. And you may have been feeling frustrated with your church over the last year or six months or months, but it's not because they want to do something wrong. You know why sometimes we feel frustrated? It's because we don't want and don't like change. We don't want, we don't like change. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 and 7 says this, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And he says, And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will fill your hearts and your minds. You know what happens when you cast your anxieties, your frustrations, your, ah, your stuff onto God? As he says, Rulof, if, if you really give it to me, if you really cast it on me, I will give you peace. Who does not want peace? Who does not want peace? Who does not want peace? All right, so the second thing is dwell on the positives. First of all, I'm going to cast it on God. Dwell on the positives. My dear friend, in every situation, there's always a silver lining. There's always a positive. There's always something good. There's always something good. You know what I like about the sportsmen, and sometimes I think they just do it because they get paid to do it, is when they lose, they still praise the team. There's always something good. So what do you take out of this? And they highlight one or two good things that they've taken out of their game and they've just lost. And I thought, man, you know, that sucks. And they, but they do it because there's always something positive I can take out of even painful experiences. Constantly repeating your church's or indiv an individual's flaws is not a healthy pastime. And some, of the, some people have made it their ministry. It's their spiritual gift. And I'll come back to that because verse 8 of Philippians chapter 2 says, What do I have to think about? What do I have to concentrate about? Is what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. And let me tell you, I think there are some praiseworthy things in our church. And I'll tell you a few things about it. I think we are on a church where we have grown in our walk with God, where grace and mercy become realities, and the grace of God become, and the mercy of God has become realities in our lives, where biblical truth is preached from the pulpit. I'm not saying other churches don't do it. I'm just speaking for our church, where, where, um, where we are helped to discern Satan's uh, lies against us, where other older saints are modeling a lifestyle of prayer and perseverance in their faith. I think we are a church where obedience is encouraged and the truth is not watered down, where we are taught that this life is about a spiritual battle and you've got to know your enemy and fight it, where we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, to gift us, and to convict us, and to penetrate our hearts, where worship is good and children's ministry is good. Think about such things. I believe that we are a church where there's a lot of excellent and praiseworthy things, but if you want to nitpick, you will find stuff. You will find stuff because it's human beings that does the stuff in church, in your life group, from the pulpit. So remember, dwell on the positives. There will always be something in your family, in your job, in the traffic that is praiseworthy, excellent, true, beautiful to think about. Remember that complaining will 
And here's an important thing. Number three, complaining will affect your love for Jesus. Complaining affects your passion for Jesus. Complaining dims your light. Your passion does definitely go. And, and, and I, I would like to encourage you to separate yourself from the climate of complaints, to, to be absent from the group of complainers. Because it's not good for your spiritual walk. Keep your eyes on Jesus and develop an attitude of gratitude. And instead of crucifying love and support, your church and others that are close to you as well. When you see something wrong in a person, when you see something wrong in your company, when you see something wrong in your church, instead of complaining, you know, we can, we can pray about it. We can speak to the right person about it, God first, and then the person that is affected by it as well. Do everything without grumbling and disputing. Let me tell you what my t-shirts means. How many of you have worked it out? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And I found when I'm not happy that I've just got to say, Lord Jesus, I fix my eyes on you. You are everything to me, the beginning and the end of my faith. You're my life. You're my future. Lord, I'm, I've lived in this life, and I know it doesn't look like it at all, for 60 years. And I've maybe got another 20 or 30 to go. I don't know how long God will spare me and save me. But let me tell you something, my dear friend, is that many times when I hit a brick wall, but I have to tell myself, this is not your home. This is not perfect. This is a mess. But there's something being prepared that is amazing. Where the power doesn't go off. Where the transport doesn't fail. Because I'm probably going to go, Whick. I'm in Australia. Whick. I'm in New Zealand. I, I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm dreaming. Because I think, so by the way, here's my five cents worth. That God is not going to put us somewhere on a planet that is out there, but it's just going to recreate what we messed up. That's my view. It doesn't matter. Because it's going to be good anyway. But that's my view. So, so fix your eyes. You see, let, let me tell you something. If you don't fix your eyes on Jesus, listen to the message of Satan to you. It will come a number of times in 2020. You know, just leave the life group. Leave the ministry you're involved in. And it, it is just not good. They don't appreciate you. They don't love you. Leave your church. Go to another church. Put the restart button and maybe it will be better over there. No, it won't because you are going there. And if you don't deal with your issues here, you take yourself to the next church and pass up because you will cause the same problem there. So best work out things in your marriage, the one that God has given you. Best work out things in your church, the one that God has given you and supported as well. The last one I want to share with you today because I think it's very important is train your thoughts and mouth to be grateful. Train your thoughts and your mouth to be grateful. And I'll give you some tips on how to do this. It's like I said earlier on, start by 
thanking God for the small things. You may say, Rav, I've never been to, 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 to Mauritius, and nobody's ever given me a plane ticket, or I hear you've done this, and I've never been able to do this, and, and it's just not fair. As, as you know what, start thanking God for small things. Have you got shoes on? That's okay, because there's some people who don't have feet, you know? Uh, have you got, did you come in here walking? There's some people who wheeled into the first service and can hardly talk. You know, have you got clothes on? There are some people who have not got food or clothing now, right now, in our country, five kilometers away from here, 10 kilometers away from here. So there's so much. Lord, I, wanna, I will pick a small thing. And, and if I don't see the big stuff, I will thank God for the person that sits next to me. So by the way, look at the person next to you. And I just, just tell him, I just thank God for you. Just tell him. Nudge them. Nudge them. So I just thank God for you. Okay. Now, it's not a dating session, so uh, let's get over it. Let's get over it before you get emotional. But, but, but why don't we just start there? Why don't we just start there? You know, like I said earlier on, Carol and I just stood in our kitchen this morning and started rattling things off. And the list just didn't want to stop. I eventually I thought, oh, you know, typical woman. She just doesn't want to end. You know, just goes on and on and on and on. You know, list. And I thought, it's nice. It's nice to hear. She even thanked God that I help her in the house. I mean, that's amazing. It's true. It's very true. Very amazing. You know what we're doing the last couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, is we get up in the morning, we go for a walk around the block, and then we have 15 minutes in different sections of our house, and we, and we clean up. You must go and try that, because sometimes you look at your cup and say, this is going to take me a week to sort this out, all the shoes and dresses I've got. Hey, Candy, uh, um, you know what? Yeah, it's going to take me ages. And all you do is spend 15 minutes in that, in that specific spot, and after the 15 minutes, your alarm goes off, and you leave it, just neaten it, and you move on. Tomorrow, you come back to that same spot, and you do 15 minutes. You know what we have cleaned up in our house and in our garage the last few weeks? Amazing. That was my idea. That was my idea. And she's so grateful to God that that was my idea, and we are doing it. It is amazing. My idea was amazing. Huh? No, Carol, it's my idea, my lady. Find something in your family, in your church, in your country, and thank God for it. You know, please, please, folks, you you know my heart. I I am not a racist, but let me tell you something. My mother-in-law comes to visit us on on Christmas with Carol's sister, and I I shared it in the first service, and I checked it with my boot Pete there to see if I'm, I'm okay to share it. But you know what, we, we went to, we, after the service, we went to Hartis, and it's hot there, and so on, and we had a meal together, and there was a public pool in the complex that my, our son and them are living in, and we go and sit there, and my mother-in-law is, in a few months, she's 90, so she's an old boki, she's really an old boki, you know, and so on, so very forgetful, you know, but so on, and so, so she sits there next to my sister, and we're in the swimming pool, and Hunter Kiara, and swimming there, and, and suddenly there's pandemonium around her. And she has basically gone into a fit. And she's, she's, she just sits there. She's like, and we thought she's dying. So there's a doctor there. But, a, excuse me, a black nurse takes over. And, you know, gratitude starts welling up in my heart for this country. And she moves us all around, tells us what to do. And I thought, this is amazing. She tells all the whiteys what to do. This is amazing. And the doctor is standing there like, and the nurse is going, you know, this, 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 no, put on the side. I, I, this, 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 this. So I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse. And she takes charge. 
And I think this is South Africa, folks. This is a lekker country. You know, and then, it's not finished yet. Pause, pause, pause. It's not finished yet. So, so, so then we've got a carrier, and I mean my mother-in-law. You know, she's, she's, she's a mother-in-law. She's 90, and she's, you know. And so we, we p- pick up, a lot of us, we pick up. And we move. I think we should edit this maybe because, uh, although this is a live streaming. Uh, Mom, I love you. Andre and Denise, you're wonderful. And the rest of the family as well. But this is true. Anyway, you know, there's about 10 of us carrying my mother-in-law. Not because he's so big, but because it's not easy to carry a person that flopped, you see. And uh, so we get her to the car. Can I tell you, who's carrying her? Most of our black friends. We put her in the car and she's wobbling and she's getting into the car. The moment she's on her feet, there's a whole crowd of black people standing here. Go, 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 yeah. And I think this is the country I live in. Not the one or two that I, black squirrels, they've stolen my cell phone. They beat, you know, we concentrate on that stuff. And, I, and, I, and, I've, and I'm in tears and I'm thanking God that I live in a beautiful country where people are amazing. So my dear friend, come to me about this stuff. I'm happy about this country, this prison. I'm going to send you to Zimbabwe. (laughs) Paid. Not by airplane, that's too quick. But you know what? Come on now, there's so much. There's so much, even in this congregation. Looking around and saying, thank God. Thank God. Thank God for the people around me. Make a point to share. This is what I want you to practice. Your thoughts, train your thoughts and your mouth is start sharing the stuff that you are grateful for. Thank you, Carol. You know, I think my wife is the most amazing person that lived. You know, if she had to depend on me for making meals, we would be skinny like me. I mean, like other people, like we would never eat. You know, I never have to ask, well, not never, hardly ever have to ask her to make a meal for me. She just does it. That's what it, it's amazing. Our grandkids love it to bits. She just can't handle the fact that they call us both grandpa <laughs> and not grandma, you know, because, you know. But you know what? Can you imagine how different a church would be, a family would be, if family members start thanking one another and start saying, you did this and you didn't do this and why didn't you? You're always this. Instead of saying, you know what? Thank you for the tea. Can I make you some? You know, thank you for this. You're special. You're wonderful. You're a great sister. You're a great brother. You're a great husband. Yeah, but you don't know my husband. You don't know my husband, you know. Well, there must be something. There must be something. One thing maybe. And if you find the one thing, maybe you'll find the second and the third and the fourth thing. It is a retraining of mind and mouth. You know, let me tell you, as I've just said, there's a host of things in this nation that you will not find anywhere else. Nowhere else. I'm on this group. um, I'm staying. What are are those groups? I'm not on the group. I just get their things because, you know, these people, like, they're busy day and night, you know, so they post things. And this morning, I'm early in my office, 5 o'clock, and I get ping, 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 and I I read the stuff. And, you know, here's people. This is why I love South Africa. This is why I'm staying. And here's a dude from the USA. I love South Africa. And I live in, South, in America, but I really love South Africa. And a black dude says to him, so why are you not staying here? Well, yes, it opens a can of worms. But it's true. 
it's true. It's very easy to say, I love New Zealand, but I'll never live there. You know, don't be moldy, you know? You know, it's, there's, there's so much, so much, so much to be grateful for wherever I am, whatever job I have, whatever salary I get, and so on and so on. Let me, let me hurry because you're talking too much. Uh, the next thing I think that's important to, to train my thoughts in my mouth is to volunteer and serve. We have much less problems with people in church that volunteer and serve because they're too busy, too busy doing God's stuff. And you see that nothing is perfect because you're also not perfect and you realize it more when you serve. The last thing quickly here is dwell on Philippians 4 verse 8. Whatever is true about Septi, I will share. Whatever is noble, I will share. Whatever is right, whatever is true, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent and pray, that is what I will think about. Can I tell you again, my dear friend, can you imagine the difference? You know, first of all, you will feel so different when you start talking and thinking about stuff that is positive and good around you. You will feel different. And you know what? People will feel different about you as well. Because it's better to be around a person like that than the one who always complains and always moans and murmurs about stuff. I find it most encouraging when I speak to my friends who have churches in the informal settlements. And I know that sometimes they have absolutely zip zero nothing. And when I ask them how, they, how it goes, they say, it's going well, Rulof, thank God. And they list, give me a list of stuff. And I think, hey, Manuena, I don't understand this. I don't know, because they have relationships that are meaningful. They may not have the stuff, but the stuff doesn't bother them too much. There's so much. What are you going to thank God for? What are you going to thank God for now? How, how different are you going to be after today and saying, I'm not going to be a grumbler. He said, I don't want God to judge me. Because that's what God says. It's the judge is standing at the door. I will judge. And if I've got something to grumble, I'll go to him about it. I'll talk to God. 